Love Talk Radio. Yeah. Yeah, old school. That's what I'm talking about. Listen, this ain't for everybody. Some of y'all need to hear this. Huh. I know you're in the trenches fighting, but check it out. I'm going to put it down like this so I can help the saints understand. Everything you're going through is all part of the master plan. Or what? You thought because you got saved, everything was going to be peaches and cream? You better wake up, son. Don't nothing come to a sleep but a drink. Faith without works is dead. Read your Bible. You know what it says. He who don't work, don't eat. Blackers don't get fed. Huh. Yeah. Jesus said, he who puts his hands to the plow looks back the same ain't fit. Some of y'all ain't been in the church for five minutes and you're about ready to quit. I ain't mad at you. I'm just hitting you with the real. <laughs> if you doubt for me, I was still tripping. Now, how you think that make you feel? Check this out. Deep game. This here's deep. Huh? Some of y'all ain't sawing nothing but you're studying trying to reach. Huh? But after him who was able to present your father by his glory. Struggle might be part of your testimony, but it ain't the end of the story. Now, the point is, this prophesied way back in the day. Choir, sing your hook right here and see if the church can relate. Everybody else is taken. Yeah, that was very brilliant. That was a good quote. I saw that in a cup someplace in the and someplace on the wall. That's good. Well we got we got a return guest today. Should I introduce him? Of course. Mitchell. Welcome, Mitchell. Oh, it is great to be here. Nice to return to you Thanks. guys. Thanks for yeah. coming back. We appreciate it. See, that's how you know when you come to somebody's house for dinner, you know that you're okay when they invite you back. That's oh, right. well said. <laughs> that's a good quote. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he thinks it, he thinks of this as sort of like a meal, you know. He, he just it, he nurtures his, his, his soul to do this. So it's good. Good, you're back, Mitchell. Mitchell, I want to ask you to do something I haven't asked any other guests so far. You ready? Okay, sure. <laughs> Good I'd thing like we didn't you... prepare ahead of time. 
<laughs> that's right. I, because you never know what Lamont and I are going to say. You know? So my question, my, it's a question. My question is, what would you like for this audience to know about you today as an introduction to what we're going to talk about? Oh, I'm sure you've asked other guests this. No, I didn't. I usually just go on and on about who they are and where they were educated and all the stuff they did and all the you know stuff. all that. Right? Yeah, that doesn't so, make who they are. But I'm curious about what you would like us to know, particularly in terms of the kinds of things that you're really into and excited about, which I know are quite a few, but. Um, what would you like us to know, especially about you today? That was almost, that system. was really that was brilliant right there, Matthew. It is. No, it's a nice it's a nice question. I appreciate that. I I often spend, and, and I just somebody actually it was probably the third time somebody pointed out this out to me. You know, three different people. I spend a lot of time on the what and the how, and not enough time on the why. So okay. if I'm going to answer your question, I'm going to do it from a why perspective. So why do I do what I do, and, and why, why did I create this platform? So my name's Mitchell Levy. You could always uh, Google me, M-I-T-C-H-E-L-L, last name Levy, L-E-V-Y. And the platform I created is Aha That. It's just ahadat.com. And the reason why is I have always in my life when I've, I've always gravitated to try to help other people in one way or the other. And what I've often found is the most successful is, is giving somebody a framework, right? So if you just tell somebody, you've heard the old uh, thing, you, you, you show somebody how to fish versus give them food on their plate, and then they'll be uh-huh. you know, fed for life. Yes. I, a lot of times people just need, and this is true for me as well, you, you just need a different way to look at something and you can get through life that much easier. And I used to do it all on my own. And so I would, I'd love to be in front of people, whether it's a large crowd or a one-on-one and just give people a framework and help them be successful. And what I've been able to do is build a platform that would allow anyone to do that for other people. Right? So this is the why the, the why I want to have happen is, is I want you to be able to give anyone who's listening. I want you to be able to give aha messages to your audience so they get the framework, they get the why. I want you to be able to make money off of the platform that I've created by helping your clients be successful at what they do, and subsequently you're making money helping them do that. So my my why goal uh, that I've started in 2017 is my I, I want to help people make money. I want to have 10,000 people be making a living from AHA that. And so what I've been able to do, and this is the what and the how, you can write your book in eight hours or less. And, and for those that are not ready to even write your book, I've got 37,000 quotes that you could share today for free in seconds. So looking for content to share wow. on social media, it's right in front of you. So that, that's, that's sort really of the, the why with a little bit of a, a what. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I just want, for the record, I want everybody to know that I did not, I swear to God, I did not prime Mitchell about my question. He did not know I was going to ask it. So that was a really good answer. Thank you. I appreciate it. Oh, well, super. Thanks. (laughs) Ask me again. I'll give you a different answer. (laughs) (laughs) So same concept, different phraseology, right? (laughs) A little bit more about aha. Uh, uh, When you say aha, you mean 
sort of like what uh, Einstein said in that famous Eureka or, you know, like uh, an inspirational moment or suddenly you become aware of something? What you're talking about, an aha moment? A- absolutely. Uh-huh. As a matter of fact, if you look at the Wikipedia definition of an aha, it refers to a Eureka moment. Um, in the old days for me, before I started using the, the term aha, I used to call it the light bulb going on. You know, during, during the dot-com days, I was helping a lot of strategic consulting at both high level and, and individual levels. Um, we created an a e-commerce management program at San Jose State and, and sold over 4,700 courses. And with every student that went through the program, I was looking for that aha moment. It was that, that time where you could sort of see it in somebody's eyes where they really get it. They really understand the consequences or the actions or what they can do or the follow through. It's, it's, yeah, as you mentioned, it's the Eureka moment. It's when you, another way to say it is, is you've sort of been able to figure out what somebody's telling you, put it into your own words and then be able to apply it. That's really when people get that aha moment, that Eureka moment. So that, that, um, can, it's, it, it, I'm stuttering here. It, it, that's a way of helping people look at a problem or difficulty or an opportunity in their work, their lives in general, um, and then find some inspiration or direction about it. Yes, yes. A, a, a good example. I mean, we many times people will say that to me, and, and I've known uh, for the last three years, I've spent uh, a primary focus of my existence on thought leadership and doing thought leadership consulting. A byproduct of that is the AHA That platform. Um, if you go to the Think AHA website, so it's thinkaha.com, there's a tab there called Thought Leadership. And on that tab, and, and this is not necessary for us to spend time on now, but I just thought I'd mention, give you an opportunity of somebody to potentially have an AHA moment. Um, on that tab, you'll see videos and you'll see a two-by-two. Two. Uh, marketing people always use a two-by-two two to explain themselves. So this is, this is a two-by-two, two and it says thought leadership is audience by content. So if you can reach the right audience for you with the right amount of content, you could be a thought leader. Mm-hmm. And what it says, uh, so that's one of that's in the upper right-hand side. A thought leader has the right, right content for the right audience. The person who has a large amount of con- a large audience, but not necessarily the right amount of content, is your evangelist. So that's on the upper left hand side. The person who's on the lower right hand side is the person who's the expert. So experts typically are very knowledgeable. So they have the right amount of content. They don't don't necessarily have the right audience, right? And then and then lower left is the unknown. So if you visually heard what I said. Or if you go to the two by two, you know, which is sitting on a thinkaha.com website, all of a sudden you can now put into perspective the difference between a thought leader, expert, and evangelist, and that might help you because there is nothing wrong with being any one of those if that's where you want to be, right? So that's really the, you know, people don't have to be thought leaders. Or more appropriately, and I did use an interesting word, I used the right amount of content for the right audience. To be a thought leader, you don't have to be a worldwide, world-renowned thought leader if that's not your mission. You just have to have the right amount of content 
for the right audience, and the right audience could be as small as as is defined that you're both happy and you can make a living, right? So hopefully, if you take a look at that, that's an opportunity. So that's a framework. So that's a framework I put in place you can look at today, and potentially when you look at it or anyone looks at that, you might get your aha moment. How do you tell if you have the right amount of content for that audience? Ah, <laughs> people come back and they buy from you? Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one. <laughs> the, uh, no, I've been thinking about I, I've been thinking about that a lot. Um, you know, I what it the best thing I could say today about a uh, about a successful thought leader. And let's not jump into politics when I say these words, okay? They're authentic and they're trustworthy, okay? Um, and the person who's authentic and trustworthy, probably the most, other than our parents, hopefully, uh, the you guys remember the movie Miracle on 34th Street? Yep. Yeah. So the the cool part about that movie, the 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 story I want to, or the framework I'll take away is how Chris Kringle would send people who were looking for products. If Macy's didn't have them, he sent them to other stores. And at first, everyone looked at that as a bad thing. But then, of course, Macy's sales increased because they went to other stores for stuff, and then they came back for everything else. Uh-huh. Truthfully, I, I think you know. I, I don't want to say that every thought leader has to be Santa Claus, um, but what I might say is, if you take that perspective into into mind, is that you're helping other people. So. A, an answer to your question, if you are not quoting other people, if you're not giving other frameworks besides your own when you're talking to your audience, you do not have the right amount of content, right? The, the answer to the what is the right amount of content is if somebody on the other side has asked you a question, you've given them the best, and my fingers are you know, doing the, the double quote thing, the best answer to their issue, Right, whatever that might be, which means that it's not just stuff you know, but rather your peers in the space, it's sharing their content as well so that mm-hmm. you're giving an unbiased viewpoint to the other person. Does that make sense? Okay. Cool. That, that's my that's my answer to the question. What that that's the right amount. Now, you know, there's there's uh you could always read articles of quote unquote the right amount of content is you share uh, unlimited times on on Twitter. You share. Uh, it, it used to be you'd share a couple times a week on LinkedIn. Now you have to share a day, you know, once a day on LinkedIn. That you share, you know, unlimited amount of time on Instagram or Snapchat. Right? I mean, there are different there are different answers to depending on the platform you're playing with of what uh-huh. your audience wants to see. And so, I guess the answer, the probably the shortest answer I could have given, the right amount of content means it's. It's what your audience appreciate, expects and appreciates today and will then talk about you to their, to their friends so you can grow your audience. Well, I'm back to your, uh, your image that I have in my head about different ways of approaching this, and I'm thinking, did you say if you have a very large audience and a, what you call it, a limited or a narrow focus that you're an evangelist? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You love it? I, okay. I honestly, so this is one of those Mitchell Levy uh soul thing. I've never seen many times you've seen ideas repurposed over and over again. I've never seen this and it just fell into place. 
and and think about any evangelist you you've bumped into. Now, I'm talking about evangelism in relation to business evangelists, not necessarily religious evangelists. So I because I I could definitely step in on the wrong landmine if I do that. A, a business evangelist is a guy like Guy Kawasaki, and 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 this is not necessarily Guy today, but in the old days when Guy would speak about this is the old old days Apple and only Apple, and he never talked about IBM or anything that uh, wasn't Apple. Mm-hmm. He's an evangelist. It just means yeah. that what he was talking about and what he knew, and if you were listening to him, his focus was solely on a single line. It wasn't about the whole you. His implication was that all you needed was Apple, and that makes for an evangelist not necessarily a thought leader. Okay. So um, evangelist from the Greek basically means one who shares the good news. That's all it means. So it's, ah. but, but in terms of, it comes from the Greek word. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to really impress uh Lamont here for a second. Um, it comes from the Greek word euangelos, which means good news. And there's that word angel in there. It's like a messenger of the good news. So um, it doesn't specifically relate to Christianity or any or any other specific religion. All of the Christians have made good use of that concept over the years. But I was thinking in terms of the the diagram that you created about my own work um, in terms of how I reach out on social media and the internet is I have a, a potentially a very large audience. I mean, very, very large, but I'm sending pretty much one message and I'm, I'm guessing that it probably fit into that category of what you described. So it just had a, on air it doesn't mean i'm right okay i mean there's there's always the and this is the other thing being humble is also a nice word to use in your thought leadership so it doesn't mean i'm right that said if you believe the framework and what i'm saying you you now have had a aha moment and that okay. is oh can can i or does it make sense for me to expand the breadth of content I'm sharing, will that make the message I'm saying that much more important? And and I would well, it's an interesting concept. Yes. Yeah, it's an interesting concept because I I grew up in a religious tradition where evangelism was very popular, and so I know a lot about that mode of operation. Um, and you know, I, I, I've never really thought of myself as an evangelist by any means. But the way we're talking to fit your diagram, that sounds like my work would fit into that, because um, I'm focused on romantic relationships and the development and and sustaining meaningful, even ecstatic romantic relationships. That's what the major focus I have it's with my book, the the resurrection of romance. And so I've been putting that message out on the internet and social media. And I would say there's a very large population for that. Not everybody, of course, but I think probably particularly the, um, we asked you a question uh, last time you were here. I believe it was the last question we asked. And you said, you need to know the avatar of your, um, 
of the people that you are reaching out to? Who who are they? And I figured out mine was like mostly women from 30 to about 60, I'm guessing. That's a lot of people. That is a lot of that's people. A nice, that's a nice audience. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and, and by the way, you know, what's really interesting about that audience today is in this last week, they are really sparked up and excited about something. Yeah. They all they all went to Washington. All of them. <laughs> yes, they so, are. And and it's a, it's a a group that is growing and it's grow, growing continually growing in its sense of personal power and group power. Um, I guess that's what you're also saying. So, I I'm just wondering if if in reaching that audience, I need to add other resources. To oh. uh, would you say? Because you were saying, I think at one point you need to do about a twenty percent, eighty percent. Yeah. So, so let me let me. So first of all, let me let me say stuff, and some of it you may like, and some of it you may not not like. Okay. The love the overall concept and focus of what you're covering. It, it's absolutely spectacular. If I don't know you, and I don't. I don't I don't know you yet so I I don't trust you and you're talking about romance. Where do I th- you know if if I don't have any context, what am I thinking? Right? A I don't trust you because I've been I've I've had so many porn sites come to me and and talk to me about that. I are you a romantic novel that leads in wonder, you know, are you an HBO, you know, uh TVMA model or or are you a a CBS PG-13 model, right? I mean, uh-huh. I don't it's it's kind of interesting because I have no context in which to grasp what you're sharing and ultimately what you're selling me. So if you are able to um, come up with a, a, a framework or start sharing contextually other things that your avatar, your audience is interested in, right? And that would, to me – that would get you that much further down the path of your audience sort of getting excited about you and knowing you, liking you, trusting you in terms of the things that you say. I didn't hear anything I didn't like yet. Oh, okay. <laughs> how about how, well, how about, I, some how people, about getting some people In terms of what I said, some people might actually hear some of that and say, oh, wait a second, I'm not, I'm not selling porn. Right. I mean, and I'm not suggesting you are. I'm just saying that you get lumped in that category and you've got to if you're selling romance, you're lumped in that category, whether you like it or not. And there is a portion of your audience that's going to immediately say, oh, wait, this is porn. Let me get rid of it. Regardless of what you say. So how are okay. you how are you dealing with that? Right. And I, that was a rhetorical question that you should be asking yourself is if regardless of who. Uh, connects with a piece of your content, how are they putting context around that content? Right. So I'd have to have an answer to that question, right? Yeah, I, and, and like I said, we, you know, <laughs> you can do it now, but we it's really more of the answer for yourself that you're yeah. comfortable mm-hmm. with because that answer is your why and what you're trying to do is you're trying to appeal to your audience's why. How come I keep coming up with a question like, "How do I separate myself from the others?" Mm. 
Well, one one thing you can do is do you actually now this is a big field. Do you know your competition? Do I know my competition? Uh, to a certain degree, yes. Um, yes, the answer is yes. So, so the question is, I don't. So I don't play in this field at all, right? Um, so I don't know you your married? Comp- uh, you oh, married? Oh, happily married, twenty-seven years. Okay, so then you're in the field. You're in the oh, field. You well, play it every day. I didn't mean it from a. From a practicing, <laughs> from an actual practicing perspective, because then I'm my wife would slap me around. Um, <laughs> I meant, I, I meant, do I read romance novels or this type of act, this type of um, okay. content? So this is not a romance novel. This is how to create and sustain a, a meaningful romantic relationship that lasts a lifetime. This oh, is about perfect. really oh, supporting good solid. So we, Romantic relationships that don't lose that energy and last the whole, last person's whole life. That's what. It's oh, then, about. then, then of course I am part of this. <laughs> okay, okay, sorry, I'm glad I asked. It's well, like I hey, know hey, your hey. mind went in the gutter first. I know it didn't went right before. Oh, well, absolutely. You speak to your wife. Is she around? Uh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Matthew, but I, Matthew, I understood. I understood what Mitchell what? was saying. You still have to to carve out your niche. Uh, no, that for, your, your, for your people, I understood that, but then that also goes to branding, and and uh-huh. that's a large field that you're in. So that was why I asked Mitchell the question that I asked him: How do you set yourself? Yeah, how do you stand apart? out? The field yeah, is and, so and big. So the, the, so the first, so the answer is I, I can't I can't actually give the answer because I I don't have enough insight yet. That was the that was the rationale for the. The well, let me give you one more bit of bit of information that might help and might not. And that is, when you ask about competition, I, I have competition in the sense that a lot of the self help community that have to do with relationships, the vast majority of them, have a different point of view from what I'm saying about relationships, and I think they're all wrong. I think oh, they're completely so- wrong. Absolutely beautiful. So, you know, one of the first things you could do, given that you say that, one of the first things you could do is, is there a two-by-two that you could create similar to the one that I created where you could say a strong, healthy, romantic relationship that lasts – once again, I've known my wife for 30 years. We've been married for 27, uh, absolutely in love with each other. So is there – if if you want that type of relationship, here's the two by two, and here's here are the characteristics that would put you in the upper right hand quadrant. So, marketing speak, you always want people in the upper right hand quadrant, and you could now say, my competition is in the lower left hand quadrant, or the upper left hand quadrant, or the lower right hand quadrant. Right. So you do a two by two, and then put your map your competitors in that two by two. That'll give you insight. Okay. And by the way, there okay. there must be people who are also uh, talking about what you're doing in the same way you're talking about. It's too big of a world for there not to be. I'm having and, very great difficulty finding it. Oh, Googling well, that's anything. interesting. And there's there's this great myth that's really supported by the, the whole culture that 
when you fall in love with someone, it wears out in a year or less, and it's gone. And then you just kind of deal with it. But it's not ecstatic anymore. It's not exciting. It's not powerful, although there are clearly exceptions to that rule in terms of real relationships. Yours might be one of them. But uh, the business, even the best therapists and and writers are saying today, and I could quote them, that I I know one I have great respect for on many other things. A quote is, romantic love is an illusion. And when I read read that, I wanted to strangle them. So let me ask you the how. I'm going to answer answer the the how then. Now, this may not get you worldwide <laughs> renowned, depending on how you do it, but let me give you the how. So create a two-by-two, two, right? So I don't know what the, what the, the right uh, characteristics are, um, but it could, it, could be, it could simply be uh, time and romance. Uh, but but it's, I, I think we need something more sophisticated than that. And put yourself in the upper right-hand quadrant. Take at least ten of your competitors and put them in a the quadrant they belong, and then okay. have a contest. And in that contest, you say, "I will give a twenty-dollar Starbucks gift card or whatever dollar amount you want to anyone okay. who could tell me that there's a practitioner who's practicing in the upper right-hand quadrant like I am." Well, interesting. Right, and what you're hoping happens. By the way, you're hoping that you could put more people in there, that, that, that you can continue to fill the dots in all the quadrants, um, and you're hoping that you're not standing alone. Because, by the way, if you're standing alone, typically what happens, it means that nobody's interested in what you're doing. <laughs> okay. Or in Silicon Valley, it means that you're unrealistically looking at the world because there's somebody else who's already – you know, when, when – when, when a startup company says, I have no competition, smart money runs away. Right. Right? So, so I, there, there is competition, right? It, it just may not be – it may not look like you. And okay. What, what I want to hear is point. I want to hear you talk about who looks like you and who doesn't look like you. Okay. All right, that makes sense. Smart money runs away. Oh, you know, just so you know, I I try my best to talk in aha moments. <laughs> well, that's how you do. That's how you do radio, right? It's 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 actually how you interact with anyone is you try at some time in the conversation for them to go, ah, I get, I'm going to remember that one, right? And uh, if you're speaking on stage, you know, or, or anyone who's listening, you should be tweeting out some of the stuff that gets said, right? Because that's and, – and by the way, here's the important part. Here's what people often don't do. So this is one of the problems that I've solved with the AHA That platform, and that is a lot of times – so let's say you listen to this radio and, and you hear, oh, smart, smart running runs away when the firm says they have no competition, right? That's a That's a great quote. If you just said that yourself and didn't – include my Twitter handle, I, you don't give me attribution for it, people are thinking you're saying it. If you actually give – so this is an example of 80% of the content should be somebody else's. This is a great example of something that you could share what I said, and the only difference is to include my Twitter handle or my name 
or my LinkedIn profile at the end of the quote because then you're giving me attribution for the quote. Guess what? I, I win because you're, you're quoting me. You win because you're giving good, good information that your audience wants to receive. So your audience wins because they're getting good content and they're recognizing that you're sharing other people's content. Basically, Does that make sense? Giving, you're giving yeah. something to get something. You're giving something to get something. Yeah. Well, the other thing that you're saying in addition to that, which I completely agree with, is to to a certain degree you're increasing your authority by quoting an authority who agrees with you. Yeah. You know, Mitchell Levy is the authority who said this, and I'm quoting Mitchell Levy, so I've got some status here because I know what he said and what we said together is the same thing. I think that's why, you know, we're always constantly quoting other people in general is to add to the authority of our own statements, which in in true sense, it helps. It helps. Yes. It it helps even more when you're humble enough to recognize that, you know, you got a lot of egotistical people in this society as well. They don't want to do that for some reason. Oh, and and, you know, we, we used to live that way, and and that used to be uh, less than a decade ago. That was that was sort of the definition of a thought leader. But but nowadays, if you're not humble and don't recognize that you didn't invent everything, um, right? Um, it, it's what for me. Who who do you look for when you want an answer to a question or or a problem, right? And you're looking to the person who you perceive has a, a who's not going to be biased necessarily to to their 100% their point of view. They're going to try to give you an answer that is in your best uh, your best way, your best your best thinking, something that's the most right. valuable for you personally. Mm-hmm. That's true. That's where that I am with my clients. See, that was a brilliant question, Matthew. Which part? I gotta remember this. Which was the brain part? <laughs> he he missed it, Mitchell. <laughs> I, I I lost it there first. I'm gonna go back and listen to this interview three four times and see if I can find that point. Yeah. No, I I I think it's helpful to divide these. Like you're talking about quadrants and who's who's in my quadrant. Um, as you were asking that question, I'm thinking, well, who who do I know or have read or heard speak who might be close to what I'm – and I'm finding people who are there, but they lack certain credentials as far as I'm concerned. So I'm, I'm trying to find people who have a little more um, uh, t- traditional credentials in terms of their education and their background like that who, who would – you know, they're, they're the often, I hate to say it this way, but kind of new agey types, and they they get it. But then I have people like you who, you know, it's anecdotal evidence with people who say, I've been married for 27 years, and I'm still in love with my wife. Well, that's a wonderful testimony to what I'm saying is that it's possible. And I think that's great. And I think there's certain things that people do to sustain that. It's not luck. 
It's certainly not luck. It's certain attitudes and practices that people have that are really identified and really make a difference. And I, I'm looking for more people who have that understanding. Um, maybe what I need to do is find more of those couples and interview them so that I've got that kind of agreement. That's similarities and craziness. But, you know, I have to tell you, you're you're talking more like an academic, and because uh-huh. you got the PhD yourself, you're assuming that you can't listen to other people who don't have a PhD. And I I would just like to encourage you. I'm just to wondering let... who else will listen to them. Uh well, <laughs> have you been to YouTube recently? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Do you watch the Kardashians? Um, <laughs> no, I don't. I try not to. No, so I, I hear not, what you're saying. I really do hear what you're saying. I honestly, I, I, I do. And, and I'm not saying it's right. But what I will say is, there are people who step into the mantle place as experts in their field that does not that do not have the educational background that you do, and. I am not convinced that the audience you want to reach needs to hear. There's a percentage of the audience you want to reach. So if you want to narrow your audience to simply be people who will only take advice from those with a Ph.D., that's a much smaller population no, than but you're people making who good are, point is that I may have to I may have identified a bit of a prejudice there in my own mind that I need to get rid of. <laughs> might be blocking I told, some. Uh, I could have told you that. <laughs> no, no, you know you need. I could. You need I knew. I you hey, otherwise, you don't listen. Um. <laughs> I knew. I knew he was going to say that. I just knew it. <laughs> but I, I think as you're exploring your avatar, you have to ask yourself. Just because you think it's important to have a PhD doesn't mean your audience cares. And yeah, that's right. if your audience doesn't care, then you need to let that go. Otherwise, you're going to be putting a roadblock in 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 your way to success. Because if you take away that criteria, now who goes in the upper right hand quadrant? That could potentially be a really nice partner with you. Because that's kind of what you're looking for, right? You're looking for people who who know, like, echo the types of things you say that would love to partner with somebody with your credentials that's already sitting there with an audience that's huge because they've, they've used some social media platform. They have a large audience, and they'd love to play with you. But you've, well, you've, you've been a snob and not let them play with you because you've said, hey, no PhD, I don't talk. I got him out of that. He's coming out of that, Mitchell. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, he's coming out. So of what it, I need know, is every he, every Sunday afternoon, take a little little verbal abuse on the radio. That's what I need. That's what I need. <laughs> now he's well, calling me. A, now he's calling me a snob. <laughs> I, I invited this sucker on the. Well, he's well, well, me well a Mitchell. Snob. Well, Mitchell called you a snob, but I used to say um, you were a little conservative, and I guess that was my my word for it. But. <laughs> You know, but I understand you. You're right, Mitchell. He does come from an ap- academic perspective, and sometimes people like to hear it, uh, the tried and true. I've been through all this drama out in the mud to get to where I am today to even talk to you about real stuff. And, and I, I would say, as long as you identify 
your target segments in different ways. Um, you you can speak to a certain crowd with those credentials, and they'll respect it. You do need to learn how to speak and interact with people who are not in that world. Right? Just my just my two cents. I, I have to tell you, I have a. Oh, hey. So so I, I ended up getting an MBA. I never got a PhD, and. I the aha that's probably the the most killer thing I've ever done. Although I've done so many other interesting things, and from an intellectual perspective, during the dot com days, I came up with a framework called the value framework. It was a six dimensional cube focused on looking at a corporate health, and I could using that framework, I could speak to any CEO in the world and within an hour uncover their problems. And, and give them solutions. And and I was never able to make that a significant framework that got adopted, and largely because of the bias that I either wasn't from Stanford or Harvard and didn't have my Ph.D. Mm-hmm. And, and I think it's a phenomenal uh, tool set and would have loved you know one of the larger consulting firms or or somebody with a Ph.D. to have grabbed it and do something else. And I could only say that, I it was it was the world of which I didn't have the right credentials to actually have that be adopted in the way it should, and mm-hmm. and I think a lot of that has gone away. I mean I, I mean I see some really interesting approaches adopted from people who have dropped out of high school, right? The, the world's changed a lot since then, uh, but I understand where you, where where that comes from firsthand. Well, I like the idea about finding people who maybe are have some some idea about what I'm talking about already have an audience and maybe beginning to connect with them about this. As you said, I might be an asset to them, but they certainly would be to me also. Now, I, I'm going to give you a I'll give you another trick since you're on that path. So, normally, oh, well, let me ask you first. In the books that you wrote, how many hours did they take you about? Oh, that's really a hard question to answer because in actual putting putting the the words to the page is one answer, which is not an extensive amount. And then what it took to get to the point to be able to do that is a whole different kind of answer. So, you know, it's like in actual finally writing it down out of my experience and work history and all of that, I don't know, maybe 10 weeks, but not every day, certainly not eight hours. I I hear you. It's, it's, it's really interesting. Yeah. It's interesting when you're thinking about the average for the right, for the average writer, I'm pretty fast. But not eight hours. Yeah, it's it. It sounds to me that it's along the lines of you know a couple hundred hours, one to two hundred hours. That's probably not close. a yeah, not a typical. And and could you have done that without all the background and experience and research you've done? No. The answer is no. But but I no. got you. Um, so here's a thought for you to to take with you. So let's say you run across somebody who who has the audience, are saying the same words, 
one of the things that you could say, and I is, and I'm going to use the word, I'm going to use the word aha book versus book, because that's we talked about this last time. And an aha yeah. book that sits on the aha that platform will take eight hours or less to write, because it's comprised of 140 bite-sized quotes. So now, mm-hmm. imagine you go to somebody who's looking for a little bit more credibility, but but has the audience. And has people who, who know and like them. They already have the trust. And let's say you decide that uh, there's somebody who you like, you want to approach them. If you went to them and said, you know, we could actually do an AHA book together, and I, and I just need a couple hours of your time. You could do most of the writing based on the content you have. You could listen to their shows. Um, within the weekend, you could be done with a book, but now you can offer to have it co-authored. So now that you're offering that person a piece of credibility, A, they get to be co-authored with a PhD on a book in the area that they're talking about, and you do all the work, which, by the way, eight hours or less is not a lot of work, um, who wouldn't say no to that offer? It's well, a rhetorical a question, to... but the answer is not many. So right? that's and that's where – and then, of course, you're saying that they're going to want to share that book with their audience. Well, hopefully, yeah. <laughs> if they're if they're now the author of the book with you, uh, what they're hoping to do, and, and an aha book is comprised of 140 quotes. Any of those quotes can be instantly shared on social media. So, what if on their platform they they actually then say, "Hey, go go here, read the book, tell me which quotes you like the best." What if they get, you know, a half million or a million pieces of conversation going about this eight, one quote versus another? How beneficial is that for you? And the answer is pretty much very high. Mm-hmm. So that's to me what I love about this AHA That platform is think about what we're doing here. We're still taking the credibility that one gets in a concept called a book, but we're now doing it at eight hours or less. You're taking your credibility that you carry with you with the years of work you've done by getting your Ph.D., and you're transporting your Ph.D. You're cloning somebody else in your field and giving them credibility. They already have it because they have the following, but you're now giving them the the academic creds and the publishing creds that they don't have. Man, that's a win-win. I, I hear I you. It's it. an interesting idea. Go ahead, Lamont. No, I was just going to say, I got it. Yeah, it's kind of cool. You got it. Yeah, I understand it. I have it. I got it. I comprehend. You got it? Got it. You get it? You got it? That's yep. good. Yep, got it. So that's kind of what I need, right? Here's what I need. This is what I'm trying to find, trying to make happen. This is why I'm doing all the radio shows. How do I get the... Lamont, how do we get the person to go beyond the I got it and to start doing it with their clients? Right? And that's the piece of the, the, the you know, I, I am being the evangelist at this stage. And I'm saying, hey, listen, I know the importance of, of writing a book. I know the importance of playing on social media. Um, what if you could do two birds at the same time and and help you be more successful in life? And how do I get more of that to happen without Mitchell Levy being in the room? That's the piece I'm focused on. Hmm. That's interesting. 
because it seems like the people that you help the most are not the people you set out to help for some reason. That's possible. That's in, that's insightful. I'll have to think about that. Tell, uh, tell me more. What do you mean by that? I, I mean, I'm, I, I have my own interpretation in terms of listening to you say that, but tell me what you mean. Well, I, I don't know. Just like the shows that, that we do, we always go out to help. I mean, that's that's the bottom line to everything that we do, and that's uh, our platform. But it seems like a lot of times we'll go after a certain market or people, per se, to help them particularly. But we're looking for something in return, and I don't know if it's self-gratification or you just feel good about you being able to help. But then it seems like the help that we do come from strangers or come from a different area or a different place in the universe. Mm. So, so I don't know. The, I don't know answer, if that answers your question yeah. because I, you know, just like you said, I don't know that piece of your puzzle that you're looking for. Are you where are you looking for it to come from, or where are you looking for that piece to come from? That's the right question. I don't know. Uh, it's it's anyone who's listening to these words saying, "Wow, I either can 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 now write my book quickly or." I'm now going to go out and help a dozen people write their books, and this is what that I'm going to could, do with that. That 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 could be them writing their book. That could be part of them writing their book. Right. That could be. It's the it's the group of people. So in, in order to get ten thousand people making a living off of aha that. I have to have a number of them who are just whose goal is to help other people get published in this way. And and then the next thing, of course, is once you're published, how do you take it and make a living off of writing your book? So how do you drive more clients? How do you make more money? Um, and that's where I'm spending my energy are the partners who are either putting in funnels for sales for sales leads and closing business or the partners which – yeah, I got a partner who will make you an Amazon best-selling author, right? And 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 or significantly increase your social following. So it's it's the partnership deals to me that I'm working on that will help try because the book doesn't work by itself. It's the book and something you do with it that makes it valuable. Yeah, your team. I like to say team, but that's, I guess there's a lot of different word names for that. Yeah. Well, I given given what you, I'm sorry, Lamont. Sorry to interrupt you. Go ahead. No, I'm done. I'm finished. Okay, Mitchell. I I did a version of what you're saying. I partnered up with these guys, and my book is an Amazon bestseller. And then after that happened, I have I did a lot of radio interviews, but I haven't figured out how to quite go the next step with it. And you, you give me some good ideas today. I think uh, I'm going to think seriously about them. I <clears throat> always think that when a person gets to be uh, kind of stuck in the flow of something, that the answer usually has to do with something in their own mind. You know, maybe they, they're outside the box of the way they usually think. So you said some useful things to me tonight, and I appreciate it. Oh, beautiful. Oh, my pleasure. It goes back to your to the statement that you you, you referenced when I mentioned before, and it's 
I've given you a couple opportunities for you to change the framework in which you're processing information. Mm-hmm. And if you and some people are ready to change their framework, and some people aren't. But if you're ready, um, only good things can happen. Well, it was it was I started out in 2000 with a book that was published by a uh, New York publisher, and then. Uh, I self-published a couple, and that was really hard for me to do that because, you know, I grew up in the years ago with this idea that what they call vanity press, and it's really not that anymore. You know, it's not that. It's just self-publish and then do what you're talking about is a whole new way of getting information out in a way that really wasn't available to people 30 years ago. So I've, I've had to have a shift about that in order to do this. Um, there's a part of me that would have preferred to have a New York publisher, but you know, in this, in this recent book, I was talking about romance and I think that would have been a mistake in terms of ultimately where I want to go with it. I think it would have been really and truly limiting, uh, both in terms of popularity of the book, but also financially. Gotcha. And it sounds like your, you know, your idea about aha books is more in the way I was thinking about it now, which so is, it's another way to get your information out to the world without putting too many middle people in there. No, well, it, 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 yes, and, right. So here's the here's the and. If if you could snap your fingers and and create a book, then what do you create a book on? Well, you create. Remember, this is not a couple hundred hours with a thousand hours worth of you know PhD research. This is this is eight hours or less. So you create your book on you. You identify a target audience, and you create a book that solves the the answer to that audience, right? And then you can slightly parallel that book and create another one, or you can go after co-authors and do stuff with them, right? It's if. In essence, sort of the the model that I'd like to have people shift is sort of if you could snap your fingers and create a book, now what do you do your book on? And so you're now looking at the end product of what you're doing with your book as being more important than than the actual book itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I understand. And, and that changes since everything. Big question since we're almost another big question at the end. So once an aha book is completed – how do you help those people get that book to people to, who want to read it? <laughs> well, so the the AHA book is, is comprised of 140 bite-sized quotes. So you got a URL that's a customized URL that brings you directly to your book. Um, so we, you know, we share it, although I, you know, I've got, I've got 50,000 followers, but I don't really talk about romance. So it would it wouldn't make sense for me to share it to those followers directly. Although most likely the way I would do it is I I I might want to pull out the sort of the thought leadership components of the book and potentially on my LinkedIn post or do a post somewhere where we talk about five of the ahas from your book. So if you look at my LinkedIn, I I do that a lot. We grab five ahas from the book and share it. Um, but I think the the real answer to the question is. Is kind of how do you do it? Because we we the old world used to be is 
we'd have a publisher we'd we'd get, and then the publisher would market for us. Yeah. And and the only person who cares, the person who cares most about marketing for you is you. And yep. so the the real benefit is how do you take these words, which are now in social media shareable format, and how do you get the world to want to share them? And so we talked before about you you partnering with somebody who has a large following. That's one way to do okay, it. Okay, well, that's one way um, it really helps. Yeah, that's a great way. Uh, another way if is – If I could get Tony Robbins to co-author with me, I'd be fine, right? Uh, that would be amazing, but when you get to that level, he gets those sort of offers all the time. So the question is, what are you yeah. going to offer him, right? Oh, um, what an idea. <laughs> yeah, it's an interesting one. Um, I, I'll, I'll I tell him that I'm friends with Mitchell Levy. Uh, if that works for you, you go right ahead and use it. <laughs> oh, oh, Mitchell, I'd like to say one thing. You've effectively uh, left the ladder down for other entrepreneurs. You've put out enough information, and I think your platform will have a snowball effect. And I think the right people that you're trying to reach, you're, you're going to reach because you're doing all the right things from what I can see. Um, all right, well, thank you, Lamar. You know, you know the the old folks used to say you can, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. So the one that's going to get your message is going to get it, and the other ones are going to be asleep. They're going to stay asleep. So that's my that's my two cents on it. Well, I appreciate. It. I'm working. Uh, I'm working hard to lead people to water, and then figure out how they're going to drink. <laughs> and and many people are. I mean, we've had lots of successes, but that's the uh, uh, getting to 10,000 is different than getting to uh, a couple hundred. So, Right. Well, real quickly, uh, Mitchell, tell the people how they can reach you. All right. So, you know, the, probably the easiest, once again, you could Google my name, which is Mitchell Levy, M-I-T-C-H-E-L-L, last name Levy, L-E-V-Y. And uh, connect me on LinkedIn, uh, Facebook. Let me know uh, why we're connecting, uh, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, obviously, feel free to connect. Um, or go to ahathat.com. Specifically, if you went to ahathat.com slash author, and aha, that is A-H-A-T-H-A-T, so it's just like it sounds. If you go to slash author, that's where we have videos on why aha that, how to write your book, uh, customer testimonials, and we list there the eight-step process. It really is an eight-step process that will take you eight hours or less to write. And when you submit it, if you say that you heard me on this show – um, what will happen is my team will make sure I see your submission and to give you feedback directly. And, and I'm happy to do that for your audience. Well, thank you so very much, and we certainly Great. appreciate it. And, um, Wonderful. I'm going to let you know what Matthew's alias is, so you can look out for that name. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. It's in my email address. Yeah, thank you so much, uh, Mitchell, for joining us. Hey, Mitchell, thank today. you for coming back. We're, it was a joy to have you. It was a lot of great information. I hope you have a wonderful week. Oh, thank you. Same to you guys. Thanks for having me. I uh, I enjoyed it as well. Thank you. And finally, good luck with everything you're doing. Late, uh, the show will be available in the next few minutes, and uh, you can catch the show from the beginning, from wherever you get your podcast from, iTunes, and I don't know, there's a guess a thousand other places you can get the show from worldmovement.com but come back next week same time to talk to Matthew and myself and uh, we'd be glad to hear from you and looking forward to seeing you have a blessed week and uh, be safe
Bye, everybody. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.